You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Useless information. Hi, I'm Steve Silverman, and you're listening to a classic episode of the Useless Information Podcast. For some unknown reason, this episode, which is titled Come Dancing with Henry Ford and was released on September 14th of 2008, it was my most popular story for many years. Now, podcast number 37, which is the 34-year nightmare, has since surpassed it, and it's actually one of my wife's favorites. But I have to tell you, this story you're about to hear is a very good story. So let's find out why so many Americans were dancing with Henry Ford. Welcome to the Useless Information Podcast, my collection of fascinating true stories from the flip side of three. My name is Steve Soma, and today's story is one that I title, Come Dancing with Henry Ford, a little story about how Henry Ford got the world dancing again. Uh, but before we get to that, let's start with today's question of the day. Today's question of the day has to do with insect bites. When you're bitten, such as by a mosquito or a bee, you get a little bit of a swelling around the bite. My question is quite simple. What is the name of that swelling? Again, when you're bitten by an insect, it swells up around the bite. What is the name of that swelling spot? And of course, it's really itchy and everybody hates it. So I'll tell you the answer to that at the end of today's podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And now for today's story, which I call Come Dancing with Henry Ford. Now, in all my years of collecting these stories, I've come across a lot of unusual things about Henry Ford. Sure, everybody knows that he uh, came up with the Model T, made the cars available uh, to the masses and the assembly line and all that. But he did some peculiar things, such as, you know, some of the prejudicial statements he made and publications he put out. He also uh, tried to build cars solely out of soybeans. He wanted to find a use for soybeans everywhere. And he also invented the barbecue briquette. But today's story is about him trying to get people dancing again. And it's a very uh, interesting little story, a funny, humorous one from history. Didn't really offend anybody, but I just thought I'd share it with you. So here we go. I'm going to start the story with an event that occurred in 1916, in fact, in May of 1916, when Henry Ford was interviewed by the Chicago Tribune. And during this interview, he was asked a little bit about history, and he claimed that uh, history was just a bunch of bunk. History was bunk. And the problem with that was it was taken out of context. What he was implying is that you should live for today and not really worry so much about the past. But that phrase just haunted him, and the Chicago Tribune just took him to task on that. They ran bad story after bad story on him. And eventually, uh, they accused him of not rehiring workers who performed military service. 
Ford felt that they finally had stepped over the line. They had accused him of being ignorant, being dumb, not knowing a whole heck of a lot. But when they accused him of not rehiring these workers, he felt that that was untrue, and he took them to court. He sued the Chicago Tribune for libel. And he was put up on the stand, and he was asked a whole bunch of questions about history, basically to embarrass him. For example, Ford thought that Benedict Arnold was a writer, and he confused the American Revolution with the War of 1812. Now, the case was settled in favor, uh, the court ruled in favor of Ford, and in 1919, he was awarded a whole six cents in damage. Now, the money really wasn't that important because Ford, of course, was one of the richest men in the world, but public opinion of him was swayed forever. Basically, people considered him to be a very, very wealthy man, but also a very, very ignorant man. So Henry Ford responded by amassing a very, very large collection of antiques and purchasing historic properties and trying to show the world that he was very, very interested in American history and history in general. And one of these properties was the Wayside Inn in uh, Sudbury, Massachusetts, which to this day is the oldest operating inn in the United States. And when Henry Ford purchased this, he wanted to create a living museum, and he, he purchased property all around it, expanding the property to about 3,000 acres. He also added eight buildings to the property, including an old barn and a schoolhouse that he had moved there, plus building a chapel and an operating gristmill. Uh, and he also added some antiquities to it. Henry Ford was actually the last private owner of the Wayside Inn. Just three years before his death in 1947, back in 1944, he set aside 125 acres with the inn on that property as a nonprofit organization. That way the inn could continue after his death and not be destroyed or ripped down uh, and so on. So I'm guessing you're saying to yourself, what in the world does this have to do with dancing? Well, the reality is it was at the Wayside Inn that his wife Clara reminded him that they had danced very little since they were young. Henry Ford had become so rich and so successful and so busy that their passion for dancing that they had when they first met was just gone. They had, hadn't danced in years. So Henry and his wife Clara decided at the Wayside Inn to start learning to dance again. And what they found out was that the years had gone by and they weren't very good at it anymore. So they decided to seek out an instructor. Ford found exactly who he was looking for in a guy named Benjamin Lovett. Benjamin Lovett with his wife Charlotte, uh, who were from New Hampshire, had been teaching traditional American dances, basically country, line dancing, up and down uh, New England for about 20 years or so. But it wasn't just the dancing that uh, attracted Ford to love it. It was also that they shared the same common beliefs that the modern dances, the swing dances, the jazz of the 1920s were bad for American youth, but the old traditional dances were better. They somehow not only taught you to dance, but they gave you better social grace. They gave you better manners. Ford was so impressed by the Lovitz that they were invited back to Dearborn, Michigan with him to help organize a series of dances. Now, the Lovitz only expected to stay maybe a month or two, but they actually stayed close to 20 years. Ford not only brought in the service of Lovett, but he also found the best fiddle players, sousaphone players, uh, dulcimer players, and so on, to put together a, a country house orchestra at the Ford plant. But the one thing he did lack was a dance hall, a dance studio. So they were given rehearsal space in a section of the large Dearborn Engineering Laboratory. And these people had to be ready at a moment's notice. Anytime Ford came in and wanted a dance, they had to start playing. 
Ford felt so strongly about the effect of dance, its ability to make people better people, to have greater morals, that he insisted that all of his executives learn to dance also, at least dance the way that he wanted them to dance. And night after night, for about two weeks, he forced all of his executives to come into the engineering facility and learn to dance, and they had to bring their spouses with them. There were no exceptions. If you couldn't make it at a certain time, he would just schedule the dance at a different time. In 1926, with Lovett's help, Henry Ford published the book, and you're going to love this title. It's Good Morning. After a sleep of 25 years, old-fashioned dancing is being revived by Mr. and Mrs. Henry Ford. What a title. You see, for Henry Ford, it wasn't enough just to get his executives and their wives dancing. He wanted to get all of America dancing. He wanted the students, the young people, the old people, everyone in between dancing, but not dancing anything. No, none of this crazy jazz stuff that was corrupting the youth. He wanted everyone to dance these traditional American dances, and therefore his book contained square dances, contra dances, uh, maybe a few waltzes and a polka here and there, but they were very, very traditional dances. They were very out of step with what was going on at that time. As you can imagine, the press had a field day with this, but somehow Ford, with all his power and money, was able to get the movement spreading. He set up a school for boys and girls to actually learn dancing, and eventually it became part of all the schools in the Dearborn, Michigan area. In fact, it's estimated that about 22,000 students at its peak were actually learning these traditional dances in school. And in fact, uh, the Detroit public schools in their curriculum had uh, Ford's book used for many, many years. And then some universities and colleges took it in, and the movement spread. But it wasn't to last long. Like all fads and crazes, they die out very quickly. And by the end of 1926, the public had gone back to jazz and doing what they were doing before. But a dying fad did not stop Henry Ford. He continued to push for traditional American dances to be taught to students and others all across this country. Just as an example, he built Lovett Hall, which was a beautiful, elegant ballroom. It's actually still in existence today. Uh, in his Greenfield Village in 1937. That's more than 10 years later. By the way, that's known as the Henry Ford Museum today, and it's the largest outdoor museum uh, in the United States. Sadly, Henry Ford's enthusiasm for traditional American dance lasted until 1943, when his only child, Edsel, died of cancer. At that point, he just lost it. He, he really could not deal with life anymore. And he lived till, of course, as I mentioned earlier, he died in 1947. But even his death didn't bring an end to these dances. The foundation that ran Lovett Hall continued over the years, at least sporadically, to have these dances. They went on for decades. And finally, in the early 1980s, they set up monthly dances. The hall was rented out, and they had monthly contra dancing and uh, country dancing at the hall. These dances actually continued monthly until February 6, 2005. That's, uh, what, 23 years later, when 537 attendees were the last ones to dance one of the traditional Ford dances at Lovell Hall. Now, oddly, the organizers of the event didn't want it to end. It was actually the Ford Foundation that brought it to an end. You see that the foundation operators now insist that they pay $800 to rent the hall and get this they had to contract to spend at least $4,000 each time on catered food the organizers of the event realized that that was impossible and they had to stop the dancing at Lovett Hall so now you know the story of how Henry Ford got the whole country dancing useless useful I'll leave that for you to decide wanna learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money 
Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now a few words from today's retro sponsor. Lyman Adler will be with us in just a moment, but first, a short message from the Ford dealers of America. Owners everywhere are talking about the economy of the 50 Ford. Listen to what Mr. Jacob N. Wade of Lyndhurst, Virginia, one of over 420,000 delighted owners, said about his new Ford. In these days, when the cost of everything is up, it's certainly great to own a 50 Ford. For I found that my new Ford V8 gives me everything I'd expect to find in an expensive car for amazingly little money. And in addition to being a low-cost car to buy, I find my Ford is mighty economical to own. I get 20 miles to a gallon and spend very little for upkeep. My money sure goes a lot further since I've owned a 50 Ford. Yes, Ford owners everywhere are finding out about the economy of the great new Ford. They're saving real money now because of Ford's low price. And they'll be saving real money for years to come because of Ford's low operating and maintenance costs. But see for yourself. Tomorrow, stop by your neighborhood Ford dealers. Get the facts on Ford economy. Then take the wheel and test drive the big new Ford. Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for Ford. Standing on the corner, watching all the Fords go by. Standing on the corner, giving all the Fords the eye. Look at it go, it's the Thunderbird Gibson cousin. Get in a Ford, give Ford a try. So don't be standing on the corner, watching all the Fords, watching all the Fords, be the guy who's going by. And I figured what the heck, we'll do two Ford commercials today. Uh, I really like the first one because it's about, it's from 1950 and talks about the bad economy and getting good fuel mileage of 20 miles per gallon. Uh, which a lot of cars can't even do today. Uh, and the second one, I have to say, I just found annoying. And now for a few totally useless yet totally true tidbits from history. It's time for news of the weird past. It was reported on November 22, 1926, that Madame Gisela Tiv uh, in Belgrade, Yugoslavia, she got out of her carriage totally naked. Now, was she crazy? Was she not? Seems she was 33 years old, very attractive woman, tall. She was actually the mother of two children. And she walked into the restaurant, sat down at her favorite table, and started to drink tea. Of course, people stared at her, so she lifted up her glasses and looked back at them very disapprovingly. A very nice policeman came along, handed her a coat, and she was arrested. It was actually determined that she was totally sane, and she was sentenced to two days in prison. 
When questioned why she did this, she said that within a few years, everyone would be walking around naked, and she wanted to be the first woman in Yugoslavia to do so. Our next little tidbit dates to October 7, 1929, near Nogales, Arizona. You see, it was a really, really violent electrical storm that day, and every time the lightning would flash, people would see the silhouette of a horseman in his saddle way out on the distant plain. It really does sound like something really spooky out of a uh, horror movie or something like that. But when the storm cleared, the searchers went out and found out that a rancher named Roy Sorrell had actually been electrocuted while in his saddle. He was left stiffly mounted in his saddle, and that was the silhouette that the people were seeing. And our last little tidbit for today is dated February 3rd, 1930. It's actually a story that I've tried looking uh, for more details on, but have been unsuccessful. If you know anything about it, please let me know, but I doubt anyone does. Anyway, a woman named Florence Weaver died and bequeathed her entire estate of $609,000. But there was one provision. That was it needed to be held to accrue interest for 500 years. Why 500 years? Because somehow she calculated out, or maybe she had someone to help her with this, but she figured that it would be worth $24 quadrillion. Now, why would you want your money to sit that long so it became worth $24 quadrillion? I'm guessing that uh, she thought that inflation would never happen, but she intended it to house crippled children, build parks, and aid the poor of the Caucasian race. Now, this will probably was uh, challenged in court by her relatives and never went uh, any farther than that. But even if parts of the will did survive to today, which I'm very doubtful of, um, the part about the Caucasian race would actually get it struck down in court because it would need to be left to everyone. Um, so it's just an interesting little tidbit. If you know anything about it, let me know. And that's today's news of the weird past. And now the answer to today's question of the day. And I asked a fairly straightforward question. I said, if you get bit by a mosquito or some other bug, you get a little bump around the bite. What was the name of that bump? Well, it turns out the name is called a wheel, W-H-E-A-L, not W-H-E-E-L. It's not the thing that spins. It's a little raised mark that you get on your skin. And it really doesn't have to be caused just by mosquitoes and other bugs. Uh, it's really just anything that irritates the skin and causes a, a kind of a welt on your skin. Now, a couple of the interesting things about mosquitoes is that first, only the mosquito, only the female mosquito does the biting. And that is because the female needs the blood to produce eggs. And she will actually bite into you and remove blood until her abdomen is full. Now, the odd thing is, is that scientists have actually tried this, and I have no idea why. But if you actually cut the nerve that connects her abdomen, she will drink the blood until she actually bursts open. Why we need to, that, to know that, I have no clue, but it's just a little interesting tidbit. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's story on Henry Ford and his effort to get America dancing again, as well as the question of the day, the two retro sponsor commercials, and the news of the weird past. If you'd like to read more true stories just like these, please be sure to get a copy of one of my books. They are Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart. Uh, they're both written by me, Steve Silverman, and you can get them from your local bookseller, of course, at online retailers like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc., and through your local library. If for some reason you'd like to contact me, simply drop me an email at useless at steve.silverman.name. That's useless at steve.silverman.name. You can also check out my website for more stories and more interesting links. That's uselessinformation.org, uselessinformation.org. And once again, I'd appreciate it if you'd log into iTunes and leave some positive comments to help increase the number of listeners to this podcast. Thanks again for listening.